0: To Curry, quick release and splash. There it is. The best shooter the game has ever seen has cemented his legacy. No one has made more threes than Stephen Curry.
1: This is the Golden State Warriors podcast, and now your host, the voice of the Warriors at Warriors Vox, Tim Roy.
0: Well, welcome back to another edition of the Warriors Podcast. I'm Tim Roy on the Road with the Warriors this week, and we have a chance to talk with one of the guys that has been instrumental in helping uh, Steph Curry along his journey, and that is Warriors assistant coach Bruce Frazier, who has been Curry's coach, if you will. Every assistant coach is assigned a couple of players to work with, and it's Bruce Frazier you see on the floor warming up Steph Curry before every game, which is an NBA happening. So, Bruce will join me in just a minute. At the time of this taping, the team had won two of the first of three road games on this trip, losing in Philadelphia in a very tough game. And I thought Philadelphia had a great game plan for the Warriors in that one. And then rallying to win a game in Indiana where I didn't really feel the Warriors played all that well. And then, of course, the magical night in New York and the win over the New York Knicks. And Steph Curry setting the all-time record for most made threes. And it was a who's who at Madison Square Garden. Anybody that was somebody around, the, whether it be the NBA or basketball in general, Steph's life, would, they were all there, all there to participate in it. And uh, what a great moment that was. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I think the club is playing better, and I think they will play better now that the record is over I think hunting the three-point record was on everybody's mind or at least in the back of their minds and I think there was a concern for Steph and I think we saw a lot of guys pass up open shots to try to get Steph the ball so I think that will stop and I think the, the club will play better hopefully they will do well here in Boston where we're taping and then of course on to Toronto and back home for a couple at home before heading out to Phoenix on Christmas for another game against the very good Phoenix Suns so, I'm with the podcast and our sit-down with Warriors assistant coach Bruce Frazier, and I started the conversation by asking him a question about what it felt like to be on the floor at Madison Square Garden when Steph Curry broke that record. So, tell me what goes through your mind when you, you think about that moment
2: for Steph and, and just just being there. Well, it was, it was a magical night. You know, even it was – I hadn't thought about the record – I mean, as a, I knew it was coming and knew it was a, a big deal, but it it didn't hit me until we we started to pu- we started to pull that day into, uh, new into the city. It was dr- driving in there. It kind of hit me like there's only one guy that this could happen for. Stephen Curry would put on a show in Madison Square Garden to break the three po- you know all-time three-point record. That was when it first hit me. Just as like this is bigger than i thought you know or at least it feels bigger and uh it was unique because obviously we flew in that that morning because of plane trouble so we're we're driving into the city the day that you know the event's going to happen he's going to get the record he only needs two we we all kind of felt that was going to happen but uh just from from kind of you know coming into the city just backing up in my mind coming into the city and then only having a couple hours in between Then going to you know the arena and then you could feel the electricity early in the arena especially in his warm-up you know he was uh, There was a lot of people there and you could feel kind of the energy in Madison Square Garden And then you know for the from the time they announced the team and I know I'm being a little long-winded kind of going Timeline, but they announced the team and there was there was a big reception for us and and especially for Steph Uh, and then you know right away the guy you know, hits a three, uh, and the crowd's up, and, mm-hmm. and everyone's seen it. So I don't need to repeat it, what everyone saw, but just from my my own lens, it was it was surreal to see this event unfolding, history sort of being made, and um, you know, special for for Steph because he's put so much time into it. And then, as a side note, special for all of us involved with Steph, especially me who works with him every day. Not to take any credit for what he's d- done. Just to be a part of it has been, you know, an incredible, incredible ride.
0: Yeah, you look at that, and it, did you have any idea of how he was
2: feeling going into the game? Was he a little anxious or just? Dis- uh, it's, it's, it's a good question because I felt uh, that he was a little nervous. Yes, he was, uh, and it's the first time I felt his nerves uh, since our, you know, first year in the finals. I could really feel that playoff run he had nerves as any human would and then from that point on I had never really sensed you know real nervousness until now that and I you know I could see him taking some deep breaths and understandably you know when you when you're conditioned in any sport to, to play then compete at a high level where the focus is so immense You're conditioned for that, those moments, but no one conditions you for a a team sport and a moment that's really just about yourself. And I think it was unique in that way where this was sort of on him in an an arena that he's comfortable in, but not the the kind of the thing that he was after. And it was upon him. And, you know, it was cool. We showed up to the hotel before the game and there was family and friends of his there Mm -hmm. sort of knowing that. And I thought that might have been a distraction, but he told me today that he... I actually, like that, it it made it more comfortable for him, and it also took some of the time out of the day away uh, before the game. But there's no way to take the nerves away when you show up to the garden, and there's you know star-studded, and you know the whole end of the of that uh, of our basket is is filled with people chanting, you know things. So he 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 rightfully so had some nerves. He's human. I could sense it. Um, uh, and I was I was you know his his performance and warm-ups was pretty good if I was going to analyze I, You know I kind of rated it as a B or B plus for him, which uh-huh. is still really good So he was shooting it well in warm-up It didn't didn't affect that but I in my mind wasn't certain what was going to happen You know in the game like is, is his first shot gonna you know, miss by five feet or is it gonna? You know like what's it, what's gonna happen, but you know Stephen Curry's style the thing was as dead straight as you could possibly want it. And, you know, on the back of the rim with really good rotation, it was just a very confident shot. And so once I saw that and we all saw that, we knew the next one was coming soon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I thought it was cool too. There was a, you know, Typical warrior fashion. It was a team play. It was a total team play. There was a, there was a yeah. screen. There was ball movement. There was player movement. I thought, you know, in retrospect, looking at the play when I got back to the hotel uh, late that night, I thought, oh, that's cool. It was kind of a warrior play. you know.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's that's what this era of warrior basketball has been based on, you know. Um, and the funny thing is, is the play was actually for Andrew Wiggins, uh, and normally he would try and score out of that, or he would take a different route and maybe. Stuff comes into that play in a different way, where he comes up from the bottom. But Andrew really didn't hesitate because he knew kind of where stuff was. So yeah, it was a, it was ball movement into an action where we're looking for uh, an opportunity or or something else out of it, and it was a gr- great pass and great way, to, great way to break the record.
0: You mentioned before a minute ago that you, may, you don't take any credit for, it, but you're kind of. Uh... I don't want to say his uh, his therapist, but you're you're sort of a, a sort of a, a mental coach for him at times. You talk to him and suggest some things and and fire some things up. How do you know when to go with that? How do you know when 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 it's time to talk?
2: A, I I think our you know the the tenure of our relationship has established a level of trust that's you know critical in the way we work, and so suggestions. Throughout the years have been positive. So I think that kind of has helped um, So I you know, I, I I'm I, I just try and feel intuitively where I can lend Advice and I know I'm so well so with it But I hate in saying that I'm sort of take I feel like I'm taking some credit So it's really his work and the process that you know everything he's put into it and then I just am sort of help guide in all ways, you know, with, with with shot, with feel of the game, with some strategy and just, you know, he's an easy uh, sort of partner to ride along with because he's, his, you know, with his shot and the way he moves, he's he, he has such, he's so in tune with his body. So just one correction at times during the game with a shot, he can easily fix if I see something or... Um, something you know that's going on in the game. So it's you know, I'm I'm being a little sappy in my in my answer and also like a li- Trying to dodge the you know taking credit for what Steph is doing as well and and also it's such a unique uh, Working kind of relationship that it's hard to it's hard for me to even describe Everything that goes into it in a short in a short you know paragraph I I feel like it's a that's a broad topic and then I would be in answering that in a in a book would be taking credit so this is this is uh but i what i would say is the level of trust and our 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 friendship um sort of carries carries it to a place where we're able to have honest conversations and there's a, a trust and belief in on both sides on what and so i think that that's led to or help with some of the success
0: in in preparation for that game i was looking at uh other guys who are trailing him right now and there are some guys who have put up some great numbers to this moment but then I looked at the gap and the fact that Steph's going to play a few more years I mean this it may never be caught at least in our lifetimes it may never be caught because it just you know the the players that are behind him right now they have to be at a high level
2: for you know over a you know close to a
0: decade probably in most cases to to catch him
2: I don't. I you know. I'm pretty shallow with this, or or bias, one of the two. But I don't see the record being broken. Right. And who knows what, you know, if he plays another five years, what does he end up with? Maybe five thousand. You know, maybe that's way off. Because but... even if you lose mobility, you can park <laughs> him in a corner. <laughs> he's always going to make. He's always going to be able to make shots. So, yeah. um, and then you know, there, I've heard other kind of people say, well, you know, the three point shot is much. More popular now and kids are learning to shoot and which I agree with you know There's going to be really good shooters that come along and there's good. There's really capable shooters now Maybe more so than there's been but you know when you add more shooters you need more balls to go around too. So maybe teams have better shooters, but there's more of them So there's always but I don't know if there's ever going to be one like Steph Curry with the kind of range and the ability to shoot off the dribble and off the catch um, and to have that kind of You know duration or a tenure of you know I don't know how many years it'll be but it'll be a lot of years and you mentioned that that this is not just a a season record this is a, this is a this is a mark that's going to be so high that I don't ever see it broken
0: my suspicion is that he is producing by what he's done in his career you know a generation of guys that are learning how to ball handle and 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 shoot. Do you have any feedback that can back up my uh outlandish theory here that uh, you know maybe from coaches you know in the college or high school ranks. Do you have any feedback on that at all? That in what what do you by doing? by that that more kids are learning how to shoot at an earlier age, you know, learning how to ball handle, trying to get their ball handling skills up.
2: I think, you know, and I'm not a huge social media guy, but I just think uh you see it on some of the social media feeds that I get sent by kids, sort of with, where their coaches, will, I'll get stuff sent by coaches in, right. in the younger ages, sending me things that are mimicking stuffs, you know, moves. Or yeah. and they'll ask like, "Hey, coach, did you work on this move? And how? What? What are your suggestions?" Like, I don't, I don't know how they get my email, and I'm not, I'm not trying to sound <laughs> popular with that either. I'm just trying to kind of uh, state that yes, there are, there's a younger right. generation that follows this guy. And um, They try to they try to sort of Copy what he's doing not only on the floor but off the floor in their work. So yes, absolutely. He has changed uh, the game uh, For the generations to come and making that three-point shot You know as sexier sexier than the dunk to yeah. be honest yeah. and you worldwide now people are shooting threes all over the place uh, And he's the one that is the you know the one that changed it all.
0: Last Steph question, and then I want to ask you a few other things. When I was a kid, my brother and I would get tickets to, to come to Boston to watch the Celtics, or we would, uh, when Boston would play a few games in Hartford, Connecticut, it was like easily 15 minutes from my house to, to the arena in the mall. And when the Sixers had a game there, we we okay, we got to go early because we wanted to watch layup line with World Be Free and Daryl Dawkins and Doctor J because they you know they put on a dunk show. Steph has kind of flipped that, you know, and now his warm up is the go to pregame thing to watch. Uh, Are you amazed at the way that thing has taken on a life of its own? Just watching him warm up,
2: it's crazy. But you know, it's uh, the warm up. As you said, it was always just kind of a pre to the you know, you get there and if you're there early you get to see a little bit but this this changed as you know, you know four or five years ago when right. when Steph Steph Curry really started to draw attention by uh, his shooting proud proud how good he was and and um, You know COVID hit and it changed a little bit because it took fans out of the arena and it took took less at first And then all and then what if so we've had less but this this season in particular I've seen it really start to come back and the other night was the biggest I've seen uh, Since we've started back. I don't know if it's the biggest in all our playoff runs Because I felt like there was some really big crowds and some of those for the warm-up but certainly for this this season and for the last few it was the biggest I've ever seen it but You know, I think I think it actually merits the attention or the recognition that it or the the interest it gets by people because If you're gonna come watch Steph Curry um, You know, you may see him get up You know, whatever 10 to 15 shots in a game maybe 20 and you know how many of them are threes? I don't know but and Depending on how he's going and how he's being guarded. He's gonna he's gonna go on a crazy electric run or he's he's not gonna be as Exciting that night. He's always exciting at some point because he's just that good But if you come to his warm-up, you're gonna see him shoot 200 shots and you're gonna see Kind of the body of work that he puts in not just with the amount of shots, but really how many he makes I mean he he's so efficient out there that it's pretty incredible to watch him move around Even for me still and to see shot after shot sort of not even hitting the rim so if I'm a fan of basketball I'm not trying to sell the product right now But if I'm a fan of basketball and I like the Warriors and I like Steph Curry I'm going to that warm-up because you get to see this artist in action um, Perfecting his craft before he even gets into the main thing. I think it's I Think it's a you know, it's a beautiful thing to watch him shoot a basketball
1: yeah,
0: there's no doubt about that, but Bruce.
2: Let's talk a little bit about your career, a little bit, and
0: before we get into the coaching aspect, I wanted to ask you a question because you played at a high level. You played a Division One program that was among the best in the nation. If you know, certainly a Final Four team. Uh, but growing up, which player did you want to emulate? Did you have a an NBA star, NBA player that you wanted to be growing
2: up? I I wasn't one of those guys that. That had a player. I just followed the game, you know, and the Lakers I was grew up in Long Beach My dad was a coach and so I took to the game Not like all sons of coaches do but most do if they you know if they're around it and um, So you sort of learn almost through osmosis and just watching players So I I fell in love with some of the high school stars in our area and some of the you know Long Beach State had some good teams uh, back in that era Uh, Poindexter? Pondexter, Pondexter, uh, Quincy, and there was two brothers, Dexter and Roscoe Pondexter, and Bob Gross. And these are old names. That's why I have gray hair. But there's there were some really good players out of Long Beach State, a small school. But so I would go down the road to the game, those games at night, um, and then also UCLA was, you know, with John Wooden was a power. I Was fortunate to go up to some of those games which just blew me away with the size and speed and the colors of the uniforms and USC was good And so I think my influences were almost more high school college uh, And I didn't have access to Laker tickets or but you know I'd watched on TV, but I think it was just an influence of my dad and then just the game that And that drew interest and then my passion that grew from it and me myself trying to uh, become really good at it um, by you know countless hours of shooting and yeah. working on and then summers of of camps and just you know but you when you love it that's not doesn 't really feel like work no. it 's a little bit like my job now you know I tell people i 'm busy, but i don 't ever feel like i 'm working, which is a really good thing absolutely um so I felt like you know when you're playing the game growing up it's similar you're you 're working at your game but it's it's a it 's a labor of love, so that you know back to you know my sort of my plight it was really. Uh, product of sort of what I was raised in and what I took to, what did you learn from your dad that maybe you carry on to this day? I think uh, you know that people are important teammates and um, you know sort of teamwork and like I felt like my dad's my dad's teams always played really hard and they really they played together they were a collective kind of cultured group that were tough hard-nosed kind of teams that and then and then they all I felt like shot it pretty well so I you know without saying that I had all those qualities those were the qualities that my dad I felt instilled in his teams and you just you sort of learn that those are those become important to you as well by just watching
0: what what do you like most about coaching and what are you better at now
2: than maybe when you first started with the Warriors I love I love uh, the relationships with the people you know, I guess I'm more of a people person so and I'm intuitively Or you know with without sort of throwing out my I'm probably have an emotional intelligence that helps me more so than uh, others or some of the other uh, Qualities of people, but I also you know in saying that what I've what I've had to learn uh, more what I've gotten better at is sort of my strategic approach with opponents and just the game I've learned a lot from You know all the coaches we've had here: Mike Brown, um, Ron Adams, Alvin Gentry. I'm not to go, but the older coaches here have really helped me. Steve and I, I feel like, always have had similar uh, ways we look at the game. Even though he's been really helpful for me too, and just the in sort of watching him message and lead, he's he's probably one of the better leaders I've ever been around. Even though he's a good friend, Um, and then and then without. You know, making it too too long. Either, even even uh, other coaches in our league, just just seeing what they do, because we're watching so much tape and watching so much of what others are doing that you have to you have to take that as a, instead of just like homework as a learning tool too, where you can say why do they do this and you know, what, what, you know sort of would you consider that? So you kind of pull from from all places. So I've gotten much better. I was going to say in one way and just seeing the game and learning about what you know what everyone's doing final question for you we're at the the hotel in boston that's where we're taping this
0: and the the warriors wrap up this road trip give me your you know first quarter of the season plus look at the club and 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 a little bit of a a slip i think on offense lately but i think the streak i think the record might have had a little bit to do with that i think uh there's a lot
2: of concern for the record but but give me your thoughts what what do you what what do you see right now i think you know if Looking at our record, which I don't I don't care too much about the record, but I just love the feel of the team uh, The Culters come back um, where and the sort of the way the ball moves And we have pieces now that we can really play the way we like to play Steph's been at a high level not as much recently and I think the records had something to do with that um, But I think we're we know that when we step onto the floor, we have a real chance to win those games uh, So that's that's exciting the way we play, sort of, and then knowing that we have Clay and James uh, coming down the road is, is exciting without getting ahead of ourselves, but we're in a really good place. Not so much for the record, but just for the way we're playing, the kind of guys we have on the team that have sort of gravitated towards our culture and then just, you know, Clay and, and James uh, in the near future. It's going to be exciting. Hey, I appreciate you sharing some of
0: your thoughts and time. It was a you know, a moment that none of us will forget, Although those of us who were there to watch stuff. And uh, and certainly let's hope the uh, Warrior success continues and the uh, run of success continues, and you're a big part of that, whether you like to admit that or not. So thank you so much, Bruce Fraser. Thanks, Timmy. Appreciate it. Well, I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Bruce Fraser. I, Tim Roy. Before we leave, though, we've been celebrating 75 years, 75 stars some of the great moments and great players coaches and owners that the warriors have had and in this case i want to go back to the warriors of the early 80s and to check in with a guard by the name of world B free
1: it's time for 75 years 75 stars as we celebrate 75 years of warriors basketball in the nba
0: Tonight, we celebrate World Be Free, Boyne Lord, Bernard Free. He was acquired by the Golden State Warriors from San Diego. That's right, the San Diego Clippers for Phil Smith in a 1984 first-round draft pick. Growing up in Brooklyn, he was nicknamed World because of his ability to hit shots around the world on the basketball floor. While playing for the Golden State Warriors, he legally changed his first name to World, while at the same time leaving an impact on the franchise. Six times in his career, he was ranked in the top ten Scoring. Three of those coming with the Warriors.
2: Lloyd well, to pull up on him. <laughs> That's his best fake. He looks at his teammate like he's got a fancy to him, then just raise up and let it fly.
0: Including almost 23 a night in 1981-82. He ranked number nine in the league in scoring, and Bernard King was ranked eighth. They became the first Warriors duo to finish among the league's top ten in scoring since 1960-61, when Will Chamberlain and Paul Arizin did the trick. Fifteen years ago, I sat down with World and asked about his experience as a Golden
1: State Warrior. It was a starting to rebuild, having Bernard King beside me and Purvis Short and Joe Barry Carroll and Larry Smith, Mr. Mean, uh, all these names, uh, it, was, it, was, it was amazing what, what was developed out there.
0: Now, it, it's a different time, but can you imagine what a team like that, with that kind of firepower
1: could do today? Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah! It's unbelievable because the fact that you know you had at every position someone could do something, you know, and do something different on the basketball court. And Bernard King, I thought, was one of the greatest that really was playing in this basketball game. Well, now tell me a little bit about uh, your thoughts on Al Addles. I tell you, Al Adles, when he first got me, he came down to New Jersey uh, when I was a free agent, and he gave you that hard voice. World <laughs> Are you gonna practice and play work for what <laughs> I'm looking at this man like I wanna get this guy upset. You know? So I'm like, yes, Mr. Adams. <laughs> Whatever you say, is all right with me. Because I knew he was the destroyer, but he was a great and he was a nice guy. Nice man, you know, and he was a man that you wanted to play basketball for. How did you develop your shooting technique? Well my shooting technique came from uh, in the park in Brooklyn, uh, jumping over like <laughs> little barrels to shoot my jump shot. Putting a barrel in front of me and jumping up to try to get it, try to break that barrel. As <laughs> far as the height was concerned, and then shoot the basketball because I used to shoot set shots before, but I used to get it smashed on my forehead when I shot the set shots. So I said, I better start jumping with this shot and then give it a little rainbow because I watched a guy in high school. And he was a, he was a little guy, but he shot the ball over big men. And he shot the ball so high, but it came down. And I was like, oh, that's a beautiful shot. You know, so I I try to put that with my shot and my jumping ability, rather. Who had the higher rainbow? Will Be Free or Purvis short? I think it was a tie. (laughs) I think it was a tie, because Purvis could shoot that rainbow, though, and it's sweet when it went in, but uh, I think it was about a tie. World B. Free was an all-star in 1980. He played for the Philadelphia
0: 76ers, San Diego, Golden State, Cleveland, and ended his career as a Houston Rocket. He would average at 23 a night for the Warriors while handing out 5.4 assists on 162 games. His span with the Warriors was only three years. In his 13-year career, he averaged 20 points a night. 75 years, 75 stars. We'll be free.
1: This has been 75 years, 75
2: stars.
0: I want to thank R.C. Davis, who is in charge of all things audio for the Golden State Warriors. Thanking James Kincaid, who puts together the Warriors podcast, and thanking everybody associated with it. We are thrilled to be able to bring you these interviews, and we hope you enjoy them. Please give us some feedback if you can. You can hit me up on Twitter at WarriorsVox, or send me an email, Timroy, T-I-M-R-O-Y-E, at Warriors.com. I try to answer as many as I can. So we'll see you next time, right here on the Warriors podcast.